0: hi everyone my name is matt and it's my pleasure to be able to read you the bible this morning so if you want to read along we are reading from 1 corinthians chapter 13 as maureen has said starting from verse 1. if i speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love i am only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol if i have the gift of prophecy And can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love the greatest of these is love.
1: Thanks, Matt, and uh, thank you everyone who's involved today. Uh, as you can tell, we've had some technical hitches, uh, it's a technological miracle every single time we run church, and all it takes is for one little part of the thousand components to fail. It seems like that's happened today, so we're sorry that uh, things haven't gone quite as smoothly as we'd hoped. Uh, We were going to be hearing from different people with prayer and Bible reading, we were going to be watching a great kids' church talk. We'll make sure those get up online so you can look at them a little bit later on. Uh, But for now, we're going to be dipping into this bit of the Bible. I hope you've got it open there in front of you and I hope that uh, you will be able to follow along today. i am going to say that this week for me has been a very uh, exciting and encouraging week uh, for me to be one of your ministers here at Central Villages. For the last couple of weeks, we've been reading our way through 1 Corinthians together through these chapters that talk about our gifts And our serving and and getting us thinking about how can we do a good job of helping others to know Jesus and trust Him? As we've been reading it, we've been pondering, how can we do this? How can we be serving others and loving others and helping them to know Jesus when we're in the middle of a lockdown? You know, we are so restricted at present. We can't do all of the usual ministry stuff that we would usually do to look after people. Right now, serving people takes more creativity, takes more effort. Things don't happen as easily as they should. We've been pondering this the last couple of weeks. And I was just blown away and delighted this week by all the little signs that I saw of us being a church that is doing a good job of this. I've been hearing all week about how we are caring for each other and it is awesome and encouraging. Uh, Earlier this week, I was dropping some food around at a person's house from here at church and uh, just as I was coming up to their door to knock on the door, uh, they answered me at the door and they were on the phone to someone from church who had called them that day and just wanted to catch up and see how they're going. That brought a massive smile to my face. This week, a bunch of the young families at our church have decided to start on a project where they're going to be writing letters and notes uh, to a bunch of the other adults at our church. You know, their kids are writing letters. Uh, What a brilliant, creative way of showing love in our church community. That brought a smile to my face. Uh, Earlier this week, someone from our 10 o'clock congregation decided that they wanted to record a hymn and I send it out to a bunch of the folk at our church who so they know appreciate hymns as a way of encouraging them, as a way of pointing them to Jesus, brought a massive smile to my face. And I know that this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, there are all sorts of things being done out there by thoughtful people, by loving people, and, and we don't hear about them, I don't hear about them, because people aren't doing it for the kudos, they're not doing it so that they'll get praised, they're just doing it out of love. They're doing it out of the love that is coming into them from Jesus and letting it spill over into the lives of others, Good work, Central Villages. We are doing a good job loving each other in this lockdown. Keep on going. Keep on being creative. If you haven't jumped on board yet, there's still time this week to do something. This kind of love, this kind of deep desire to to care for each other is worth celebrating. It's worth naming it. It's worth fighting to preserve it and not letting it slip away from us because this kind of love is not guaranteed. This whole serving each other because we love each other thing, it is not automatic For a church like ours. You know, just because you've got a bunch of Christians together doesn't necessarily mean that the love of Jesus will be ruling the roost and and driving us and motivating us. Plenty of churches out there have fallen into the trap of thinking that the reason they do things is because it gives them power, because it gives them control, because it gives them some influence. Plenty of Christians fall into the trap of serving only because it makes us look good, only because it means that little drips of praise come our way and they kind of puff us up and make us feel good. There are so many bad reasons for serving and that's definitely what was going on in Corinth. We're reading this letter, we're learning from their mistakes. In this bit, in chapter 13, Paul rips into them a bit because they have stopped letting love be in the driving seat They're serving Jesus, they look good on paper, but Paul knows, scratch the surface, and it's not love that's motivating them to care for each other and use their gifts for each other. All sorts of other things have taken hold. If you remember from last week, Paul was speaking to them about their gifts, remembering that every single one of us in a church is like a body, we need all the parts working together, we're all different, we're all diverse, that's a good thing. And then he he cracks out this great tantalising line, verse 31, he says to them, now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And I love Paul, he's such a cheeky man, he knows that these Christians he's writing to are obsessed with gifts. You know, in their heads, these spiritual gifts, they're like a a status symbol, you know, having a special gift or a rare gift or an impressive gift, that makes you a very special Christian in the church. And he knows, they're going to read that line, desire the greater gifts, and they're going to go, ooh, Paul, Tell me all about this greater gift. I can't wait to get my hands on it. It's going to make me look real impressive when I rock up to church. But then he keeps on writing. And he drops this truth bomb on them because the greater gift that he's talking about is actually making sure that you use your serving to love others instead of just to look better than others. Here's how he puts it. Verse 1, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I don't have love... I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but don't have love, I gain nothing. He starts listing out these kind of super useful spiritual gifts that God gives to His church. You know, things that people can do, things that people can contribute, uh, things that make a difference for people to knowing Jesus, he lists them all out and he says, even if your gifts were ramped up to incredible levels, even if your gifts were super and impressive and superb, if love's not in the mix, it won't count for anything. He points to all of these gifts that the Corinthians thought were the bee's knees the stuff that they thought made you a special Christian, a more valuable Christian, speaking of languages, having mega knowledge about God, being able to apply it to our lives now, having huge deep faith in Jesus. He says, you can have all of that, but it's good for nothing, good for nothing, unless you apply it in a loving direction. You and I serving, without love being in the mix, he says, is like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And apologies to all our drummer friends out there, but that is to say, it is just an annoying noise that doesn't help anybody. No love equals you are nothing, verse 2. Or verse 3, no love equals you gain nothing. You and I can have all the impressiveness in the world... We can make all the sacrifices in the world. We can put in all the hard work in the world. We can do all sorts of good stuff with our time, but it will all fall flat. It will all not make an impact. It will not do what you're hoping it will achieve unless unless you first make sure that you're actually using it to love the people God has put in your life. You and I could be absolute experts in understanding the Bible. You you could be a genius at answering people's questions. You could be a a whiz at introducing people to Jesus. You could be like supernaturally gifted and talented at kids' ministry. You could actually like high schoolers and want to spend time with them. That's a gift in itself right there. You, You could have the knack for encouraging other people. You could be a musical guru. You could actually enjoy cleaning toilets. You could have all of that. You could be, on paper, one of the most useful Christians ever to arrive at a church. But if it's not matched up with a character that actually loves the people you're serving, actually wants those people to thrive and trust Jesus, if all that skill isn't matched up with that desire to care for these people, then it's going to end up in a pointless way. For us as as Christians, we shouldn't be letting ourselves get dazzled by people's impressive gifts. Instead, what should be dazzling us, what should be impressing us, what should be making us go, wow, this is impressive, thank you God, are people with loving hearts, people who use whatever gift God has given them to care for those He's put in their circle. Sadly, we Christians, we don't always get that like we should. We don't always see love as being the most important thing. Instead, we fall for getting impressed by gifts. Right here in this letter, the Corinthian church, they haven't understood this like they should have. They've become obsessed with looking impressive rather than loving impressively. E- even today. Churches get caught in this trap. I've been listening to a podcast about a a church that used to be really important in the world called Mars Hill Church in Seattle. When I was a a young newbie Christian and I was kind of training for ministry, this was the most influential church out there. You know, we all used to listen to their sermons and try and learn from their style and their systems and, and their strategies. Looking at it from afar, it looked like it was the most amazing, awesome thing ever to happen to the world of Christendom. But then, in 2014, the whole thing fell apart. The the church imploded, the church shut down. And and this podcast that I'm listening to, it's kind of exploring the reasons why, and what you realise listening to it is the reason why is that the people running the show stopped letting the love of Jesus be their kind of guiding force. Instead, church became about having power, having control, exercising a a bigger and bigger influence over the culture. And so, when when Jesus' power and love for individual church members started kind of getting in the way of that, the solution was, well, sideline the love in the name of mission. Sideline the love in the name of reaching the lost. And, And yeah, like, loving people in Jesus' name was still there in the church, but it had been relegated to the back seat. It's no longer driving the thing. And so, pretty soon, it's a car crash. Paul's point here is is actually pretty simple. It applies to exactly this sort of thing. It doesn't matter how impressive you are. It doesn't matter how big an impact you're having for Jesus. If you're leaving love out of your ministry... If you're leaving love out of your serving for Jesus, then you are leaving out the glue that actually holds it all together. You're leaving out the special source that actually makes it work, that actually means that it'll make a lasting difference. And it just doesn't make any sense for us to leave love out of the picture, when you know that Jesus is the one who is love, Jesus is the one who defines love. You see it in those verses that we read from verse 4. Chances are you've read these verses a heap of times, they're the verses that people love to have read at their secular weddings, because it sounds like it's all lovey and nice, but it leaves Jesus out of the picture. You can see, right, that it's not actually about marriage at all. It's about the love that Jesus showed the world, and how churches and Christians are supposed to walk down that same path of love that Jesus set for us. Read these verses and think about Jesus in them, showing huge patience and kindness, that's Jesus towards us. Not envying, not boasting, not being proud, that's how Jesus came and lived amongst us. Not dishonouring others, not being self-seeking, that's how Jesus conducted Himself in every relationship He found Himself in. Not getting easily angered, not keeping a record of wrongs, Jesus felt that for us, so much so, that He went to the cross for us. Not delighting in evil, but rejoicing in the truth. That's Jesus in His teaching of us. Jesus comes along, and He shows us exactly what love actually looks like. And so, if we're going to honour Him, if we're going to follow Him, if we're going to serve Him, then we need to get with the program. Christians... Need to be treating each other with patience and kindness. Christians need to make sure we're not looking at each other as objects of envy, I want what they've got. Christians need to make sure that we're not boasting about ourselves. Christians need to make sure we're not dishonouring others but instead that we're treating them as precious. Christians need to make sure that at no point do we give the impression that it's all about me and my success and my status. Christians should be people who keep a lid on our tempers, who make sure we only get angry when it is actually warranted. Christians need to make sure that we're not holding things against one another. Christians need to be like this, churches need to be like this, because that's how Jesus is. And I know that we read this bit of the Bible and it's hard reading because it reminds us of just how much we fall short. Imagine being the Corinthians reading this. They are well and truly aware that on this measure, on the measure of are we loving each other, they have tanked. They have bottomed out. They're a church that looks good from the outside, but start pressing the details and there's not a lot of love. Turning a blind eye to the the rampant sexual sin that was going around the church. Where's where's the love of Jesus in that? The, The divisions they're getting in over the Lord's Supper... You know, where there's an in-group and an out-group and and I'll eat with you but not with you, where's the love of Jesus in that? Boasting about following this leader but not that leader because this leader can give a better talk than that guy. Where's the love of Jesus in that? The desire to, to act in a way that suits me and my needs right now and not really care at all about the impact it might be having on my fellow brother or sister. Where's the love of Jesus in that? These pride wars that they found themselves in, where they're trying to outdo each other by having more impressive gifts, more impressive skills. Where is the love of Jesus in that? The answer is, it's not there. And we need to make sure that we watch ourselves. That we as a church challenge ourselves to find where are the spots where we are not showing the love of Jesus in how we interact. And to point it out and go, this this needs to be gone. As as Paul points out in verse 8, love is something that will never fail. Love is never going to stop being at the center of who we are as a follower of Jesus. As as he writes in that little bit, there's all these other things that that feel like they're a big part of who we are as a Christian. You know, these gifts that God gives us to serve Him with and, and our trust in Him. And he says, all those things, they're good, but they have a use-by date. The day will come when your serving and your skills and what you have to offer no longer matters. So he says, wise words of prophecy that we can kind of share with one another. They will stop being relevant when Jesus returns. Speaking in tongues, more on that next week and what it actually means. But, but he says, it'll stop being relevant once Jesus returns having all sorts of knowledge about God and being able to share it with one another and and teach it to each other. That'll stop being relevant one day. All this stuff that we've been given to serve Jesus and serve His people, it's absolutely useful. It's good right now, but as Paul says, the day will come when it is finished. The day will come when we stop being children, when we stop looking at things in a mirror, when we start seeing Jesus face to face. And on that day, all of our efforts and our skills... They stop being significant and what lasts, what matters, what you'll actually remember is the love that you showed other people. For you and I as Christians, love is the thing that's going to carry on from this life into the next. It's interesting, right, Paul, Paul in verse 13, he says that faith and hope and love are kind of the things that are left but the greatest of these is love. Why why does he say that? It's not because he's taken on some sort of weird hippie form of Christianity where, you know, faith in Jesus is optional, love is the only thing that matters. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that out of these three absolutely essential Christian things, only love is going to be the thing that lasts forever. The faith you have in Jesus absolutely essential for a Christian to put your trust in Him. But the day is going to come when you lock eyes with your Saviour and faith turns to sight. The hope you have that Jesus will take your brokenness and take your body and take it all and bring it and make all things new, one day that becomes a reality and the hope is made real. Faith is critical for us, hope is critical for us, don't get Paul wrong, but love, the love that we have for each other, that is going to last on into eternity. That's going to keep on being a feature of your Christian life. Here's the take-home, everything that's essential for you to be a Christian will one day stop being essential. But Jesus' love for you is going to keep on being part of you for all eternity and so, you better make sure that it's a part of who you are right now. Love, as I said, is the, is the secret source for making sure that your work for the Lord lasts. By all means, use your gifts to show people the love that Jesus has for them. Make sure that what you're doing in the world shows people, shows your brothers and sisters in the church that Jesus cares. Make sure that all of your efforts are helping people to get that, to feel it deep in their bones. Here's a big encouragement to you. Make sure that you find people who will serve you like that. Make sure that there are people in your life who are serving you as a Christian in a way that helps you to feel the love that Jesus has for you. For me, Uh, There was a guy named Scott Warner when I was at uni. And kind of reflecting on things, I feel like he's probably been one of the most influential Christians in my life. Uh, I frankly cannot remember a single talk that Scott has ever given me. And I've listened to probably hundreds of them. I can't remember any of the words that he said. No doubt they were really important. But what I can absolutely remember is the way he built me up in Jesus' love the way He impressed upon me, the fact that Jesus' love is precious and powerful. His words have faded away, but the love still stands. Please make sure that you are discerning in who you let lead you as a Christian. Make sure you're being served not just by talented people, but more importantly, by people who actually love you like Jesus does. Find people who will love you like this and let them serve you. And at the same time, make sure that you are serving others in exactly the same way. If you're serving as a Christian, doesn't remind people about Jesus. If the love and the patience and the kindness and the gentleness of Jesus isn't flowing out from you into the lives of the people that you're serving, then your serving is backwards. Your serving is wrong your serving is wasted. You may well have amazing skills that other Christians are in awe of, and that they high-five you for all the time, and and they tell you, wow, I love that. You may well have exactly that going in your life, but if you do not also have love for other people, if you're not prioritizing them knowing Jesus, then you are going to be a massive disappointment. If you're forever doing really good tasks for people, but, but you're leaving them feeling unloved, then it's time to make a few adjustments because something's gone out of whack. We, we all want to be leaving a lasting legacy. We all want to be making a deep impact. We all want to make sure that the years we spend on this earth are well spent. And the good news from this passage today is that it doesn't take special skills. Instead, what it takes is special love. make sure that this week, even with lockdown, you're doing what you can to show that kind of love to the people God has put in your life. I'm going to lead us in prayer. Father, Jesus came and poured love into our lives, showed us what love really looks like, And we know that as He's now called us to play a role in what He's doing in the world, He's given us skills and talents and opportunities to serve. We know that unless we're reflecting the love that He has, we'll just be wasting our time. So Lord, we ask that You would give us the ability to serve others like this, to serve others in a way that points them to the love that Christ has for them. May all of our efforts and all of our uh, initiatives and all of our serving actually achieve people knowing Jesus' love. And Lord, we pray that You would give us the ability to have people in our lives who will serve us like this. May we not be impressed by flashiness, but may we crave having people in our lives who will show us Your love. We pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.